Good morning, g'day, good evening, wherever you are. You know what it's like these days. Uh, jumping right into it because I did have quite a few different things on the list today, but we'll um, we'll see how long it goes. I do have a tennis appointment in one hour from now, which I need to get down there uh, in time for. So, uh, Burton's here, <coughs> first in again, g'day Burton. Glad Burton's got his stickers as well. He's got his Have I Been Pwned stickers, his Who the Fuck has got Helm stickers. And he's have a been playing 3D printed logo, which I did uh, I did share in a tweet the other day. So good on you, mate. Glad those arrived. Do something useful with them. All right, sponsor this week, one password. Who needs no introduction, either due to my relationship with them or hopefully folks out there are one password users, the secure password manager and digital wallet that keeps you safe online. The amount of stuff I've got in my one password now. <laughs> Check how many accounts. I think I'm getting close to a thousand accounts in one password, including my new OnlyFans account. I'll come back to that. There's a reason for this. 882 logins in my one password, 206 secure notes, credit cards, bank accounts, driver's licenses. And because I'm on one password for families, I exchange all my things with Charlotte in terms of what did we do the other day? I had to sign up somewhere to buy like ethanol. So, okay. You want to buy ethanol online? You got to have an account for the ethanol website. So that goes in in the shared account into the shared vault. Kids are on there with their shared vaults as well. Get the kids started young, and for family accounts, it's super super cheap as well. So good on them. Good on all of them. One password and the kids and Charlotte. Next, <laughs> uh, I am going to be back here next week, but I I'm actually going off on a holiday. So my plan A was that. Right now, I'd be down at the snow. I'd be very close to snow. I'd be there tonight at the snow. Uh, yes, we do have snow in Australia for international viewers wondering what on earth I'm talking about. That was the idea. So we, um, we'd we plan to go down there. For those of you not from Australia, uh, it is a bit of a mess, basically everywhere south of here, COVID-wise. So where we are... Super, super awesome. No problems. Uh, we still have a mask mandate. Might actually be lifted today, actually. We're just waiting for the news on that. But it's only like a mask mandate in indoor places. But otherwise, no community transmission recently. We've still only got seven deaths for the entire thing out of a state of 5.1 million people. So we've been super, super solid. 30 kilometres that way, we get to the border to... In fact, it's even less than that. Border to New South Wales, and it's, uh, it's not good there. So they had their highest... Daily total ever yesterday, more than a thousand people yesterday tested positive. This is in a state of, I think it's about eight million something people, which, like if you're from the UK, that doesn't sound like a really big number. But for us here in Australia, where we've we've been largely protected from the uh, the pandemic, uh, not so good. So a bit of a mess down there. Everyone is now racing to vaccination targets and things like that. So can't go snowboarding. We can go the opposite direction. So. We are, first thing tomorrow morning, heading off to Kakadu. If you're not from Australia, if that sounds like a funny name, basically you go all the way to the top middle of Australia. So you go to Darwin, and then you go on a charter flight from Darwin out into the middle of nowhere, and this is Kakadu. So it's a big national park up there. It's winter there at the moment. Every day is forecast to be 38 degrees Celsius, (laughs) which I love. I just love those hot days. So we're going off to the 38 degrees Celsius winter weather that is Kakadu. Uh, we will be completely offline for a while, which which I'm actually really looking forward to. I, 
I dread to think of what my inbox or my tweet thread, <laughs> tweet timeline, whatever it is, will look like when I get back. But anyway, so we're going offline. Uh, I will be back in time for Friday's video next week. So I'll be back. I'll do it again all again next week. But uh, yeah, we're going to be uh, doing some cool stuff. I will share photos. I love sharing photos because I just think it's fascinating to see what other parts of the world look like. This is a spot I've never been to before as well. And we're sort of using this time whilst we can't travel overseas to see as much of Australia as we can. Guidance at the moment still looks like it's probably going to be sort of second half of next year before we can travel internationally. Uh, and then we'll go back to seeing other things around the world. But for now, it's going to be all Australia. Yeah, the questions here. Um, James asked about motorized curtains. Well, motorized curtains, let me tell you my tale of woe. <laughs> um, it's not all bad. The curtains are, are done. For those of you who look at the video, you can see that there are, if I move this out of the way so I can actually see my, my video, there are curtains there, which, which is great. They're not motorized, they just stay in places. One over here, which is motorized. Uh, and then in our master bedroom, there's a really, really long window that's got a motor, there's a short window that's got a motor. The kids have got motors as well. And, uh, and it, it's, it's good. They're, they're nice curtains visually and the motors are good. Now here's, here's the problem. And I think I'm actually going to put this in a tweet thread later on and get some more ideas. There are two ways of controlling the motorized curtain. There is a hub and the hub can connect into your network and then you can have a companion app and your companion app talks over the network, talks to the hub. The hub broadcasts over some proprietary RF frequency using their own protocols to open or close the curtains. Now, the problem I've got with this is that even in like eight meter line of sight, the signal strength from the hub is crap. And when we got this, they sort of said, look, you, you might need multiple hubs. And I'm going, everything's really close, like really close. And any walls that it has to go through are just plaster and timber. There's no solid brick walls or things like this. So I'll just put it like right in the middle and then we'll have signal strength everywhere and it'll be fine. Out of the five different motors that we've got, I can only get this hub to ever see it most two at a time. And I don't want to get two more hubs. I don't want to have like three more internet connected freaking hubs. But the other way of opening curtains is with a remote control. The remote control works perfectly from everywhere, heaps of signal strength, no problems whatsoever. So I'm having discussions with the makers of this thing going, look, what, what is it? Are, is the remote control just talking completely different frequencies or protocols or something? And then there's the hub doing this. Uh, you know, what is the root cause of this? And I want to figure out how to fix it without putting multiple hubs in place, without ending up with like little switch bots on top of the, on top of the remote manually pressing buttons. Um, if I'm honest right at the moment, I'm a bit disappointed and pretty pissed off. So I think I will go and chuck that in a tweet thread today. So thanks to the reminder on that, James. Uh, that has been bugging me. Okay. Burton, what's the summer weather like? So the swell... Let us have a look. <laughs> so there, of course, is summer weather... Uh, where I am here at the moment. And summer weather in Kakadu. So where we are at the moment... Oh, okay, now I got you. What's, what, how hot is it in summer? Got to Google that. And then I'm going to tell you what the weather's like here anyway, because it's just awesome. Uh, Kakadu climate. I don't imagine it's actually going to be much hotter than that. Um, let's have a look. August, highs of 34. September, highs of 36, which is interesting because when I looked at this before, like every day was going to be... Uh, let's go back to Kakadu. So here's my weather forecast. <laughs> it's pretty consistent. Tomorrow, 37. Next day, 38. 38. 38. 37, 38. 
up there for consistency. Uh, now, if I go and I have a look online, what do they say the climate is like? Uh, mean temps, what do we want here? Mean temps, mean temps. That's interesting. Mean maximum temperature. So Jan, Feb, March is all about 33 point something. September is 36.3. The hottest month is October with a mean of 37.6. So it looks like, I guess, you're not close, close to the equator. It's not like Singapore close to the equator. You're still quite a way to go. But I guess because it's just that much further up, some of the stuff sort of inverts. <laughs> like for some reason, the summer is cooler than the winter. I don't know. Anyway, it's going to be epic. We're going to go on some of those big boats with the fans. You know, ones that like go through the reeds and it's like a flat boat and they've got the big fan on the back and then because apparently it's all wetlands and stuff like that. Anyway, I'll share photos of that. It'll be cool. Uh, no Brain says, when you used to do programming, what do you mean used to do pro this programming? <laughs> I do lots of programming. Uh, what OS were you comfortable with? So most of what I do, uh, as a, a comment down here says, is, um, is Windows-based. Uh, but there was a time, oh geez, particularly in like the mid to later 90s where a lot of it was Linux-based. Um, but no, these days, if, if I have to sit down and write code, it's probably going to be Visual Studio on a Windows PC. Neil, how's the Medicare Express app security looking? Will be used for vaccine certs in Australia? I, I don't know. I have used the Medicare Express app because what you can do with that app is you can download into your Apple wallet your vaccine certificate. So I have my vaccine certificate here. I'm not going to show you what it looks like on the screen because it has my birth date on it as well. But um, yeah, it's, it's like a green green, uh, green card in the wallet, COVID-19, my name, date of birth. Uh, and actually what's cool is that if you drill down on it, you will then get like a document number. You'll get the date that it's valid from. 28th of July was when mine was valid from. Uh, pass information. This individual has received all COVID-19 vaccines. Name, individual healthcare identifier, uh, and then the fact I got the Pfizer jab as well, which is kind of cool. So at some point in time, I imagine you're going to be showing your vaccine certificate uh, to folks because it does look like certainly here in Australia, we're getting to the point where you, you do need to be vaccinated to do certain things. Good example of this is to go across the border. If you are an essential worker, that's the only excuse at the moment, you must have had at least one uh, one dose of the vaccine. And I'm sure we'll see more and more of that. I know Qantas, I heard the CEO talking yesterday, he said all Qantas workers are going to need to be vaccinated. It's quite funny, actually, because the reporter was like, uh, so what do you say to workers who, who refuse to get the vaccine? And he's like, the airline industry is probably not the right industry for you, which I thought was a pretty cool comment. Dale says, what frequency is the curtain remote? I have a Sonoff bridge I flashed with ESP Home. It was fairly easy. Let me detect non-smart doorbells. So this is what I'm thinking. If I can sniff the frequencies and the message, and oh, God, I'm going to go down another rabbit hole here. But if I can sniff and then just relay the right messaging, I will get some third-party device, even if I have to spend time on it before I go and buy more hubs, because uh, that was frustrating. All right, let me talk about my I, uh, OnlyFans account. Now, this is not as bad as it sounds. I saw a friend of mine tweeting only a couple of days ago, and here's what his tweet said. And I thought it was actually quite insightful. He says, I've always been an advocate for people protecting their personal brand, brand online, by signing up and securing their usernames on social platforms, even if they don't plan on using that platform. And that same rule stands for fan-only style sites too. 
Now, obviously, OnlyFans is in the news a bit lately because they decided to ban porn, uh, which which to me seemed quite strange because everything that I've heard of OnlyFans, it just seems to be porn. Now, maybe that's my misunderstanding of it, but it seemed like a strange decision. They've since backflipped on that anyway, so they're back to porn. Regardless, there is obviously a a concept of having uh, having an account on one of these platforms via a unique identifying username. And what this mate of mine here was saying is he's, he's listed OnlyFans, two others I had not heard of. There's, a, there's one called Fansly and one called Fan House. You should have your username. So I was like, okay, cool. I will go and I'll create an OnlyFans account and I will secure my username so that someone else can't go and put things under my identity. Too late. <laughs> someone already has Troy Hunt. If you go to OnlyFans.com forward slash Troy Hunt, there is someone with no post, no media called Sultan Ashad, a uh, very, very different name to Troy Hunt. Uh, dude based on his profile photo looks very, very different to Troy Hunt, but apparently he's Troy Hunt. So I secured a variation of the username because I could only get the username once I'd already created an account anyway. So um, uh, Sultan, uh, good on you, mate. You've got my username. Uh, fortunately, I have Troy Hunt on both Fansley and Fan House. So if ever they become big things and people try to impersonate me, I got let one jump ahead of them. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so that was the only fan story. But I, I actually think this this is a good idea that you should go through and secure your your identity or username. And I've, I've often heard people say this about businesses as well. If you've got a business, go and secure business identities in the various places that you might need them because you know. Who knows later on? We do have lots of instances of impersonation and squatting on names, whether they be personal or business ones as well. All right. Let me talk about something else that, uh, that upset people. <laughs> I always find these ones entertaining. Cookies, Brexit, GDPR. So last night I shared a story. This is from The Telegraph. Now, here's what the, the headline here says in the story. Exclusive. Ministers are preparing to overhaul the EU GDPR rules and replace them with new British data privacy laws. This is the tweet. Now, when you look at this story from The Telegraph, the headline here says, Web cookie requests and red tape to be scrapped in post-Brexit data revolution. And I took this and I quote tweeted this. And I said, is England getting rid of cookie warnings as part of Brexit? Is this a silver lining in the cloud? Now, this upset people on multiple levels. Uh, it upset them because of the cookie thing, uh, because of privacy, because of tracking. Uh, I only had one person get upset at the thing that I interjected in there with the intention of just seeing who'd get upset about it with me calling the UK England and then feigning indifference about them doing the same thing. Uh, I got one person with that. That's kept me entertained. To the point, though, I mean, what, what they're saying is obviously the UK has to reconsider a bunch of different EU regs. Uh, and one thing that we have seen, and I'm going to choose my words carefully here because I've had people arguing with me that cookie warnings aren't GDPR, but one thing that we have seen very closely related, let's say this, is the display of cookie warning and the seeking of informed consent in order to put said cookies on people's devices. Now, I followed up this tweet with another one, which uh, linked through to a blog post that I wrote a couple of years ago. 
and the blog post title is these cookie shenan or these cookie warning shenanigans have got to stop. And it's basically just showing these absolute batshit stupid cookie warnings that nobody reads, nobody understands, and then they just accept. And all they do is they sit there between you and actually getting to the page to read the thing that you're there to do. And some of them are just insane. Like you look at tech crunches and they've got all of these foundational partners and you have to go through and look at the privacy policy for Amazon, DoubleClick, eBay, Crux Digital. Who the hell's Crux Digital? And then you click on done and you accept them all and you get all the cookies. And it's just so stupid on so many levels. You know, the, the assumption... And, and let me take a step back because people are going to get upset. It's not stupid to not track people. That's good. I like that idea. <laughs> there are other ways of doing that. It's stupid to assume... I always pick the, the, the sort of canonical example of my mum and dad. It's stupid to assume that my mum and dad can see a warning like this, read it, understand it, and then make an informed decision. They can't. You and I don't. We probably could because we're technical people, but we don't because we just want to go and read the news story about like OnlyFans or something like that. We don't really want to sit there and read all the privacy policies and what the cookies are going to do and all the rest of it. If we're worried about that, we run an ad blocker. Job done. Now, I had people get very upset because they said these cookie warnings are not GDPR and they're not GDPR compliant. I, I don't really care. That's, that's not the point. The, the point is, is that the UK is obviously going to have to redefine some of the way they do things as it relates to EU law. And literally the headline on the story here was about reconsidering the cookies or the cookie warnings anyway. Incidentally, and I'm just looking at this blog post, one of the things that I, I linked into here just to show the futility of thinking that just disabling cookies not using them is somehow going to stop you from being tracked it's a really cool website called am i unique and if you go to i'm pretty sure it is am i unique.org you will see just how uniquely your user agent can be profiled and it's super 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 cool because there's all sorts of things around uh, everything from your user agent string is actually really really unique my user agent string last time i looked if i view my browser fingerprint now was used by something like less than 0.1% of all people browsing the web. And then you combine that with the languages that you accept and you combine that with even things like what content encoding will you accept? There are little differences there and it just continues to narrow down to the pointy end, a very unique fingerprint of you. And then some of the super cool stuff, oh, here you go, my user agent was uh, the same as 0.12% of other browsers. Let's call it one in a thousand. Even things like the canvas element. So the rendering of specific pictures with the HTML5 canvas element followed a fixed set of instructions. The picture represents some slight noticeable difference uh, variations depending on the OS and the browser used. So based on what this website was able to do with my browser without popping up any alerts or, or notifications or anything like this, 0.07% of other clients demonstrate precisely the same behavior with the canvas element that is observable remotely via the website. Isn't it fascinating? Content language. Less than 0.01% of people have the same content language, which is sent in every request in every browser header. <laughs> That's fascinating. But yeah, let's be worried about the cookies. All right, having a look at some of the comments in here. Um, Oh, I love taking dumb devices and making them smart at the moment. Uh, likewise, amazing what you can do with just a smart plug and energy monitoring. Totally agree with that. 
Robertus, hi Troy, do you happen to have any experience with Ubiquiti's beta firmware? I place my home network with their gear. I'm curious about the stability of beta versions. I have used the beta versions quite a bit in the past whilst I was troubleshooting problems here, hoping it would fix them before I realized I just frankly had too much shit on the network. Uh, I found them stable every time I use them. So I was on the beta channel. I think I was even on the alpha channel for a while. Didn't have any problems with them. Uh, because things are pretty stable at the moment, I've just put it back on the release channel and, and it's fine. But in my experience, big caveat there, they have been fine. Crooked says you can fake the vaccine certificate in the Medicare app if you MITM it using something like Fiddler. So I, I think the uh, getting back to sort of, yeah, I guess, vaccination records and proof of vaccines, it is going to be really interesting to see how this is actually verified. You know, how do you know it's the right vaccine certificate and not just like a, a background on my watch or my phone or something like that? Um, so it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously, we've got lots of good technological implementations, lots of cool sort of cryptographic mechanisms we can use, particularly when we're all carrying supercomputers around our pockets. The question is going to be at the points where vaccine certificates need to be viewed, can they be verified? I think that's where it's going to be interesting. Like what if I was an essential worker going across the border and there's just your normal everyday copper sitting there who has to ask me questions? You're an essential worker. Yes, I am. Here's my, you know, my my, uh, my reasons for travel and all the rest of it. Oh, yeah, here's my COVID certificate. And it's literally just an image on my phone. Like, how are they going to verify that? I'm not sure we have the answer to that just yet. I'm not sure we need to just yet as well, because there's always going to be edge cases. Uh, do we need to get it 100% right or just right enough? Time will tell. Uh, what else is here? Uh, I'm European and I'd very much like the banners to go away. I'm Australian and I'd very much like them to go away as well. I'd like to go to like the BBC or something like that, read a story without getting these inane warnings in front of me. Uh, Crooked, I use uBlock to block cookie. No, uBlock's got different problems. Google me. Um, G'day, Richard Campbell is here as well. Thank you for joining, mate. Uh, Dale, I was being able to reject tracking but the banners seem to follow all the UX bad practices to get you to click agree. It's just a mess, isn't it? And, and we are in the kind of like this nasty cycle where I appreciate the need for content creators to monetize. <laughs> this is why OnlyFans is there. So they, they, they got to do something to, to, to earn their money, right? I, I get that. And, and then there's that side of things, but then it sort of swings too far back the other way. And then you get some of these ad blockers which just go completely over the top in terms of not just blocking uh, all the sorts of ads that you and I want blocked but blocking stuff that they should never do I've written a blog post called um, uh, uh, ad blockers are part of the problem that goes into more detail about that Delta Yankee Lima says did you see that tweet about the app injection to automatically generate COVID-19 certificates yes I did see that tweet uh, so that that is a little bit of a concern and again I think we come back to do, do you need some form of like cryptographic proof for these certificates as opposed to uh, either being able to falsely generate them and then even if you can falsely generate it, should there is there a mechanism, should there be a mechanism to be able to then test for people on the ground, such as the cops, whether or not the certificate is legitimate or not? Let me go on to something else. Thread hijacking, <laughs> targeted spam. Look, I just chucked this in there because it was topical only an hour or so ago. 
Now, I don't think I'm going to get any disagreement from the audience here, but one of the things I just despise with a passion is individuals or companies just jumping in to Twitter threads in order to pimp their things. And this is what I saw this morning. Now, it would have ended there (laughs) had it not been for this person's response. But this person has since locked down their account, so you can't see the tweet that he sent me, which was the catalyst for talking about this now. But fortunately, someone screen grabbed it. Francisco Placido. When I looked at his profile, he was in Porto, in Portugal. Nice place, Porto. Now, this guy runs a project called Super Agent, Automatic Cookie Consent. And he had decided that it would be a good idea to start replying to multiple tweets that I was already in about the whole cookie thing we're just talking about and suggest that people need to go and get his thing. I replied to both those tweets with uh, a blog post of mine, which is about how thread hijacking is just targeted spam. And I just sent the same reply (laughs) each time. He replied to me, he says, um, Francisco says, it seems Simon found it useful, so get off your high horse and shut up. I was like, you're going to get quote tweeted, mate. Uh, And just after that, people started telling him how they felt about that kind of attitude. And uh, and now his Twitter's no longer work, which which seems like a reasonable outcome. I'm okay with that. What a dickhead. (laughs) But this whole thing about... um, about thread hijacking with Twitter spams. It's just nasty. I do actually have a very comprehensive blog post about spam, which I have been contributing to for quite some time because there are a lot of nuances and a lot of gray areas. Is it spam to do what he just did? By my definition, yes. Apparently a bunch of people did report that as spam as well. So who knows what Twitter would do with that. But I have been taking pleasure in when I get messages from people, which I believe are spam, particularly emails, Uh, And often they are to pimp cyber things. And I'll reply and I'll just say, could you please remove me from the spam list? Knowing that saying spam list would be very inflammatory. And I just captured the replies that came back and started putting them into this blog post. So I will get on top of that and actually finish that up sometime. That'd be fun. Lastly, pwned passwords are getting very, very close to 1 billion requests per month with pwned passwords. Now, Because it's Twitter, as soon as I said that, people started arguing about the definition of a billion. Uh, I'm talking about the thousand million billions. I know there are different definitions of billion in different places, but to me, it's always been pretty simple. Thousand, million, billion, trillion, and then things after that that are too large to really ever need practically. Quadrillion? I don't know. Thousand million. So I've been tweeting images as it ticks over each 10 million uh, we are up to, it was at 998 million something over the one month period up until, um, up until, uh, when was it like two days ago today? I'm back down to 991 million, 550,000. So it will hit a billion pretty soon. It could be any day now, of course, when it's a rolling month, if it was a little bit busier, a little bit quieter a month ago, then depending on whether it's a bit busy or a bit quieter now, that you know, we may or may not get to that billion sooner rather than later. But it is getting very, very close to a billion. And while I'm on that as well, the work that we're doing to start ingesting passwords from FBI is getting very, very close to completion. When I say the work we're doing, 
it's most of the work Stefan is doing. So uh, Stefan from Iceland has been doing a bunch of work on this. I have written a blog post about him uh, taking over some ownership of handling the PRs and coordinating everyone. And he's done a fantastic job of that. And I, I think we are getting very, very close to being able to re release the ingestion pipeline and start consuming data directly from the FBI, which would be really, really cool. Uh, and I have subsequently had discussions with other law enforcement agencies as well, where hopefully we'll get the same thing from other parts of the world too. So it'd be really cool for this to build up and smash well past a billion, maybe even get towards a trillion, well past a billion, uh, and actually start to uh, start to have a lot more data from a lot more locations so that people can protect known bad passwords from being used on their services. And again, totally open source, totally free, no monetization strategy, no funny tricks. It's just really, really cool. I'm very happy about this. Okay, looking at what else is on the comments here before I go and play some tennis. Um, okay, there's a comment here. Uh, France gives up to three years prison plus 40,000 euros if you fake your C19 cert. Wow. That is... That is sizable. That, that, that's good. My hesitation is, is I would imagine that usually people doing this think they're going to get away with it anyway. <laughs> so if you think you're going to get away with it anyway, is it enough disincentive? It's like if you just make something illegal, people stop doing it, right? Well, yeah, it still happens a bit. Um, what else is on here? Rob says, read too much traffic on the on the wireless LAN. Why are the Wi-Fi gizmos sending traffic at all, except for when on-off signal is sent to them because of broadcast? So broadcast and multicast and things that I need to get deeper into to fully understand. But there's a lot of traffic which gets sent from devices just simply notifying access points that they're there and they exist. Um, one of the ways I've actually mitigated I was going to say solved, it's not solved, but mitigated the problem for me. And I spoke about this either last week or the week before, but what I've done is all of the smart lights <coughs> that I have that are behind Shelley's, almost all of them. <coughs> so I'd have, um, let's say down near my pool, there's an outdoor dining area and there are four lights in the roof. And those four lights are smart lights. So each one of those lights has a Wi-Fi connection. They are behind a Shelly, so there is a Shelly relay behind the switch, so that using that Shelly, people can still use the switch on the wall to turn the lights on or off. And what I used to do is set that Shelly up as a detached switch. So flicking the switch on the wall didn't actually change the circuit, it just raised an event. So Home Assistant would capture the event and it would go, hey, you four lights, you should all now turn off. Now, that was kind of fine because it meant that the lights always had power, they were always connected to the network, but then I had problems around things like too many devices on the network and too much traffic and just not being able to get consistent results when communicating with them. Uh, plus there was latency issues and things like that. So anyway, what I've now done is the 160 odd lights that I use or 160 odd IP addresses that I used to have uh, across the house is now down to 120, which are still 120 things on my network, but I've just reduced it by a quarter. Uh, and those 120 things, oh, it just went down. It's 119 now. <laughs> Something just dropped off. Uh, those 120 things, I can probably reduce by another dozen or something just by stuff like my office lights, doing the same thing with them. Um, and I'm actually very happy with this result. So now every time you flick a switch on the wall, it's got a Shelly behind it. It does actually kill the power. It's back to being an edge switch instead of a momentary switch. 
And uh, when that edge switch actually kills the power, those four lights, for example, near the pool, they drop off the network and they free up some of that, uh, some of that broadcast traffic on the network. So better result. And also now everything's instantaneous when I change lights. There's no cloud dependency to change, you know, turn lights on and off, all this sort of stuff. So I'm happy with it. Dale says, hope you have an automation to start a big party in the house when you hit one billion. Someone said the other day, what are you going to do when you hit one billion? I said, oh, I'll probably have some beer. <laughs> it's like that'll, <laughs> that'll be the thing. So, um, yeah, yes. That'll be, there'll be a little celebration, I think. Um, does the IoT stuff quit working if you set Unify to block broadcast traffic? It's a question from Rob. I, I should be able to do that. Um, I have not tried yet. So I am, I am kind of curious to give that a go. Uh, and this is one of the discussions I've been having with Ubiquity that where I got to, and, and then I just got busy and life got in the way, is they wanted me to get a bunch of PCAPs from one of the access points and send them the PCAPs and then I could try and have a look at why stuff's dropping off. So I just need to pick that up again and, and go back to it. Burton says, 3D print the screenshot when the requests go over a billion. Yeah, could do that. I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll, I'll definitely have a screenshot of it. And then uh, I'll share that on Twitter. And then, yeah, you guys can 3D print it yourself uh, if you want. But I, I might, yeah, I've got to do something. I might put something else up. Have I been pwned itself? I'm just looking at my little uh, Lemetric, which is the little device that can have a sort of a very basic display on it. I'm up to uh, 3.95 million uh, subscribers as well, notification users. So I think it's, it's adding probably about 1,000 a day at the moment. So somewhere over the next month and a half-ish, that's probably going to hit 4 million. So I think 4 million will be a pretty, pretty sizable um, sizable milestone as well. This week I did also load a bunch of data breaches. It's just one of these things where there's always a big backlog and I made the time to sit down and go through a bunch. I'm going to push another one today where... I think I'm actually going to talk about this one next week because I... Let's just say I'm, I'm not completely happy with the responses I've got from the organisation <laughs> involved here or the lack of responses. So I think I'm just going to publish what I know and let people know, but there are a very large number of people uh, in this one. So might be you. Be interesting. See if you're in that one. Okay, folks, I'm going to call it there and go and, uh, go and play my tennis before I head off tomorrow to, uh, to Kakadu. I'll share photos of that. I'll be able to talk about it next week so long as I don't get taken by a croc or something like that. Uh, have an awesome Friday and a good weekend. See you next week.